This is the very first in our series exploring nutrition, vitamin C, and COVID-19. And I'm incredibly honored to be speaking in China uh, with Dr. Richard Cheng, who is an advisor, a consultant, a supporter, and a promoter of the use of high-dose vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C. Uh, so, Dr. Cheng, uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. It's the it's the um, the thirty first of March, and uh, let me just ask you something. Here in the UK, as the death toll rises, we are seeing very few deaths reported in China. Um, is this accurate? Has the death rate really fallen quite dramatically? Well, that's a good question, and I guess you know the answer as well as I do. Uh, from the official reports, we didn't see a high death rate in Wuhan, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the you know there could be you know of course the the unofficial explanations or rumors uh, are widespread. And uh, I let me share frankly with you some of the news that I read. The news, of course, are from the unofficial sources here in this country. Yes. Is that, um, that, uh, you know, there are seven funeral homes in Wuhan city. That's a city of 10, 10 million people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, each funeral home, uh, was operating around the clock for quite a few weeks, more than a month. And uh, recently, apparently they were, because at that time they were all just, you know, uh, Processing. I don't know how why how respectful a word we can use to to those deceased. Yeah. But anyway, they were distributing the their remains in the in an urn to the families. And uh, according to one report, actually this is from official source. They were distributing like five hundred urns a day, and they were saying this was uh, March the twenty second, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were saying, this is official, they were saying they, they, they will start distributing 500 urns per day, uh, starting on March the 23rd, and they wish they could have finished it by April the uh, 4th. Mm -hmm. Now that's more than 10 days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so there are seven funeral homes in that city. And uh, based on that calculation, some people say that's gonna amount up to a couple of tens, uh, several tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. And the official report of the death toll to COVID-19 is in Wuhan is, uh, I think maybe 2,000 something, uh, mm -hmm. maybe two, 3,000. So the, ex the explanation for the discrepancy may be that the confirmed, basically the deaths due to confirmed diagnoses, you know, you have to run those tests, mm -hmm. may be limited. However, the people died either directly or indirectly to this, apparently is a lot higher. So that's the answer that I have for you. I mean, you know, in our gut feeling, the, the death toll is higher than that. So. And is, is Wuhan still in lockdown? No, it's not. It's not open, yeah. And okay. actually funny that you ask it because uh, once it, uh, the lockdown is lifted, mm -hmm. and there have been some conflicts because people in Wuhan are trying to get out because, you know, you go back to normal life, and there have been conflicts that the, the surrounding, the neighboring provinces are blocking the roads and not allowing them to to mm -hmm. come out or something like that. And now you're you're in Shanghai right now, is that correct? Yes, I am. Yeah. And yeah. what's ha what's happening in Shanghai? In Shanghai, actually, I was going to say the the deaths were three, and I still think still is three because up to you a few, two weeks ago. And, uh, uh, there were only three. And at the time I interviewed, I talked to, you know, had, we had a, uh, video conference with, uh, some of the, uh, experts here in the center with the international experts. And, uh, at that time, there were only 358 patients. Mm -hmm. Right now, the number increased to, uh, yesterday or the, other, the day before I checked, it was about 500. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the primary reason of the recent uh, surge in the numbers of COVID-19 infection is primarily, is all, 
Yes, entirely due to the imported or the returnee uh, coming from international uh, flights. Right. Mostly are uh, Chinese uh, coming back uh, home. The Shanghai, the situation in Shanghai is relaxing. Uh, the life is going back to normal. And right now, China has a policy that all the international flights will come to Shanghai. This is where all the travelers are triaged, hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent tested, and then uh, you know uh, triage them, processed. I guess you know there's uh, infected. If they are from uh, far away, they will be staying in Shanghai to be treated, and that's mm-hmm. why. You see a surge in those numbers, mm-hmm. and otherwise the life is cautiously going back to normal. The shops are opening up, and the roads get are actually roads get a little bit more congested than before because more people choose to drive instead of uh, you know sitting in the public transit, mm-hmm. and uh, um, the facilities are opening up. And I've been playing bad. I love bad, playing badminton. Some of the gyms have been open for. Like three weeks now, three mm-hmm. yeah, about three weeks now, yeah. So in Shanghai, definitely you can sense the life going back to normal. Although people are still cautious not to uh, gather in large parties and uh, so something like that. Now we heard about a trial going uh, going on in uh, Zhongnan Hospital. I'm not sure Zhongnan. if I'm yes. pronouncing that correctly. Yes. Close enough. uh Close enough. And also, uh, we heard the very good report that you actually recorded uh, from the doctor in Rijing Hospital in Shanghai, who's using intravenous vitamins. Yes. Yes. And we also heard that uh, the Shanghai Medical Association was now recommending uh, vitamin C. I'm not quite sure if that was just intravenous or high dose as well. Uh, oral supplements. So could you just uh, clarify what's actually happening uh, in the hospital? Yes. Actually, there there are more than one intravenous uh, high-dose vitamin C clinical trials uh, in China. There are three government-sanctioned, at least three that I know of, government-sanctioned clinical trials. Two were publicly announced. The Mm -hmm. third one was registered, but it wasn't announced uh, publicly. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these clinical trials I am intimately close with. Uh, and uh, at least one of those trials I was involved in. Deeply. Actually, by the way, uh, I am part of uh, an international high-dose IVC support team. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, they call it I'm the director, but uh, I'm just lead, you know, organizing the efforts, promote these and uh, uh, that's uh, those three. And also in Shanghai, yes, I spoke with uh, I'm, uh, uh, two experts on the Shanghai uh, expert panel. And they both corroborated the high-dose vitamin C usage. And uh, Shanghai, yes, uh, high, it is high-dose vitamin C intravenously recommended uh, uh, in the treatment uh, of uh, COVID-19 uh, in, uh, in the Shanghai expert consensus, which and is endorsed by the government and the Shanghai Medical Association and published in the Chinese Infectious Disease Journal. And what sort of doses, yes. what sort of doses of vitamin C are being given? Um, how long does the infusion last and how many times a day is it being given? Okay. Uh, I, I presume yeah. this is the people who are in ICU uh, or at least in some pretty serious respiratory condition. Yeah, yeah. Now, first of all, I'd like to say no, not just Shanghai. About uh, five days ago, yes, uh, recently, Guangzhou City, Guang, Guangzhou, there are four major cities in Shanghai, uh, in China. Guangzhou is another one. Guangzhou in Guangdong Province, southern China, also made a similar recommendation uh, in a similar title, basically Guangzhou Expert Panel, consensus on the treatment guidelines of COVID-19, which also includes high-dose intravenous vitamin C in the treatment. Now, back to Shanghai. The, the guideline didn't detail, you know, it's a guideline. It, it's not a protocol. But uh, the according to my uh, conversations with uh, Dr. Mao and also uh, Dr. Wang uh, on the expert panel, the, uh, you know, every doctor may also vary a little bit, but uh, 
uh, Dr. Mao's team has been using uh, high dose vitamin C. Uh, mostly, it's uh, starting from uh, 10,000 milligrams or 10 grams every 12 hours, uh, either one time or twice. And uh, so they basically use this approach to treat moderate to severe cases. And again, not, not mild cases. These are moderate to severe cases. So the moderate, moderate, I mean, moderate cases would have received probably uh, 10,000 milligram IV over 12 hour period. And uh, the severe ones will get an extra uh, twice a day. Now, in, okay, uh, under certain uh, unique special uh, occasions, for example, there's one case uh, this this senior patient was deteriorating pretty rapidly. The oxygenation saturation was going down pretty quickly. So they gave him a 50,000, which is 50 gram, 50,000 mm-hmm. milligram uh, vitamin C bolus over mm-hmm. a period of uh, four hours. And uh, they so they saw in real time while the IVC is in dripping, they saw in real time the oxygenation saturation improves and the patient eventually also healed and discharged from the ICU. So are you saying that this person, in their opinion, was basically likely to die and uh, when given 50 grams of intravenous vitamin C over four hours, they, they effectively recovered? That is the... Uh, uh, that is the... Uh, of course, from one person, we can never see a causal relationship. However, that is very tightly related. And this, uh, yes, that person, that patient was in a high risk group of uh, mortality. And uh, ordinarily, with that kind of rapid deterioration, the patient uh, most likely would would, uh, would succumb to the disease. And uh, they didn't see. Now that I guess you know, can we can draw a conclusion because. Uh, there was another scientist uh, who is uh, closely, you know, very scientific in terms. You know, I'm a clinician, and uh, but uh, the the scientist did point out that uh, this uh, kind of real time improvement is a good uh, consequence uh, in today's clinical trial environment. We don't have to always have a control trial, particularly for something like COVID-19, when we don't have any specific uh, effective treatments available to us yet. So in these hospitals that are using intravenous vitamin C for the moderate to severe uh, COVID-19 patients, uh, is that, I mean, are they, are they seeing uh, quite a change or an improvement in outcome? Are people uh, uh, not needing to use ventilators for so long? Are they leaving ICU quicker? What, what's you know, being seen at this point in time? Yes, it is the general impression. The final data in Shanghai is being a- analyzed. And also, uh, as far as I know, the, uh, the Wuhan clinical trial teams are also finalizing the data for official reports. But uh, the, the, from the preliminary data and from the Shanghai team, uh, these patients improve more rapidly and uh, the uh, ICU stay tends to be shorter. But uh, and also the final discharge from the hospital is about five days shorter than average. And average appears to be about 30 days. And uh, these IVC group patients appear to be uh, 23 to uh, 25 days hospital stay. So five to seven days stay uh, shorter. I mean, a five to seven day shorter stay is is really very important because what we're facing in yeah. the UK is a lack of ICU yeah. beds. Uh, that's the yeah. major crisis. So obviously, if people don't need to be there so long, that's even better. Yeah. Is, uh, is anyone yeah. using oral uh, vitamin C, uh, perhaps in less severe cases or in a build up to an intravenous situation or even with the intravenous vitamin C? Well, here I want to point out, and actually I'm particularly interested in the oral vitamin C, like you just mentioned, and I am not aware of any studies in the, in the controlled trial study uh, of this. But uh, a couple of things. One is that uh, uh, early on, uh, when this uh, uh, epidemic broke out in China, now turned into a pandemic, uh, I and a team of other uh, vitamin C 
supporting medical experts and scientists. We were calling, you know, on, on uh, many different occasions or on a daily basis, calling for high-dose vitamin C. So eventually, you may know that uh, uh, Wuhan was the epic center in China and uh, the central government here eventually uh, called for help from all other provinces uh, to support to Wuhan. And so I know at least in Shanghai and other some other teams, they were packing vitamin C, oral, oral vitamin C in their suitcases. And I have shipped personally vitamin C powder to some of the, uh, to some of the, uh, these, uh, volunteer or, or not, uh, medical supporters to Wuhan. So I do know vitamin C has been uh, more widely used than we know, but we don't have any, uh, uh reports uh, of this nature. And, uh, other than that, I have, uh, consulted on, uh, COVID-19 patients ho- at home, uh, I mean, remotely, and they were staying home. And also, I have some other, you know, anecdotal stories about vitamin C oral. And you may have read one of my uh, stories uh, from, from a Wuhan family. And that is very interesting, uh, you know, Sir uh, Patrick. Uh, tell me that story. Uh, because tell, I, tell me that story. Okay. Let, people listening yes, won't, have, okay. won't have. Yeah. Uh, okay. Actually... Now, I have been, as you mentioned, I've been promoting vitamin C. You know, uh, I, I knew about Dr. Pauling's uh, theory back in the 90s. And I remember, unfortunately, I can't find that book anymore. I was in my second residency because I did my Chinese, I mean, medical residency in internal medicine in Shanghai. And then I went to the United States, did a PhD in biochemistry, molecular biology. And after that, I, you know, you have to re- redo these residencies. So I was in my medical residency in the United States when I encountered the book. The title is a small book, and I remember it was a sort of a something, uh, the truth FD doesn't want, to, doesn't want you to know or something like that. Anyway, in that, it described our vitamin C and Lana's part of the work and everything. So I knew that's when I, uh, I think that's about first time. And so I, I had been taking low dose, like one or two grams a day. And but last couple of years, uh, you know, from also molecular medicine, it's about six or seven, maybe close to 10 years. But in particular, I'm sure you know Dr. Thomas Levy and uh, Gonzalez, Michael Gonzalez. And uh, so I have been paying more attention and doing more concrete studies, research, I mean, studying of these things. And uh, so I came away convinced uh, just as uh, the other, like yourself. So I've been uh, giving presentations, lectures, talks here in China. I was primarily interested in the chronic disease management uh, treatment because, you know, uh, I'm trying to do, uh, I'm interested in anti-aging, how I can live healthier longer. Mm-hmm. So so that's how I get, got involved early on. And so at the, this was uh, in February when, uh, you know, uh, anyway, somebody told me about the story. So I tracked it down about this uh, new new, Ms. New New in Wuhan. And I spoke to her on the phone directly and making sure the story I got was, uh, you know, firsthand from the, from the person involved directly. Here's the story. New New uh, is a middle-aged lady living in Wuhan. Uh, with her teenage daughter. And the family there, there's a number, I mean, total of six, uh, New News parents, New News brother and brother's wife. So, so a family of six. They live in a very close, in probably in the same neighborhood. And they gather together every day, particularly around the Ch- Chinese New Year time. This was uh, before Chinese New Year, but uh, the news, the, the government has not officially Announced the, uh, the, the epidemic. So one day, this is around the January 19th, 20th, uh, something like that. Grandma came down with a cold, basically low grade fever and uh, sluggish uh, cough, maybe, and, you know, just common cold. But uh, nobody at that time knew uh, it wasn't official yet. The, uh, the Wuhan pneumonia that was known by them. And this, but new new knew about vitamin C and she's taking some uh, nutrition courses and she like me was also a big believer of vitamin C. So she immediately told everybody to take high dose vitamin C. 
she uh, she was asking for twenty grams. Everybody, and grandma didn't. Uh, grandma was a little bit reluctant. We guesstimated. She and I we spent some time going back, making sure the dosage timing, you know, get as much detail as I can. But we figured that the grandma was taking probably around five grams, not the twenty grams that Nuni recommended. So. Uh, but the remainder of the family, nobody was taking precautions and nobody was taking, uh, you know, uh, the uh, protective measures, masks or gloves. They were staying home, eating together and, you know, without protection. This went on for about a couple of days, 10 days or so when the situation became serious. And, uh, uh, this, I mean, the Wuhan was locked down and everything else. The grandma, Grandma's situation did not get worse and didn't get much better either. And she was still, and according to Nunu, she didn't look very much sick. Yeah, a little bit under the weather, but not very much sick. And about, about January 30th or so, and grandma finally decided to have her checked out to see what's going on, you know, if she had the disease or not. So she went to the hospital and the hospital did a test and she was confirmed to have this disease. And uh, so she was hospitalized. And while in the hospital, uh, there were a few days that she didn't have the vitamin C. And uh, the new new and her brother, sister-in-law, the three of them were taking turns to take care of the grandma in the regular ward. Then very soon, grandma's temperature stopped, started going up and eventually rising more than, higher than 39 degrees uh, centigrade. And uh, she also started developing respiratory distress syndromes. And uh, so she eventually was intubated and uh, put on ECMO machine, which is, you know, uh, the uh, ventilator. Yes. And uh, she also lost her consciousness. Now, this time, this at uh, this time, the first clinical trial of IVC, high dose, came public. And she took the announcement and to the ICU chief and the bag for high dose of vitamin C because she believes in this. And the, you know, she was very appreciative because the ICU chief agreed to, but they only allowed 10 grams. And so the grandma was receiving 10 grams of IV vitamin C. And grandma, remember, grandma was a 70, is a 70, 71 year old lady with diabetes mellitus and also coronary heart disease was stents placed. So she, overall, you know, she has a lot of chronic and some other chronic problems. She is a chronically uh, diseased person and uh, immune compromised with diabetes. And uh, this, again, is she is in a high-risk group. However, she was in the, in the ICU for about 7 to 10 days. She gradually improved and was discharged from the from the uh, uh, ICU to the regular ward. Now, this is uh, in Wuhan. The Wuhan, the medical supply situation at that time was short. You know, with too many patients, there's very high death rate, as you you know we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is again only one case, but uh, I, w- I mean, given the other case reports or clinical studies in the literature and the basic research, I would say vitamin C helped her. But actually, very interesting, uh, the other part of the interesting side of this story was that Niu Niu and uh, the other two middle-aged members of her family were taking turns to take care of her in the hospital. The hospital at this time, by this time, was only for COVID-19 patients, no other uh, uh, patients uh, at this time. And they didn't have the spacesuit-like protection, you know, like the other health medical staff had. They were only wearing a mask and a, a pair of gloves and nothing else. And none of them, not only that, none of the daughter, I mean, you know, teenage daughter and the grandpa at home caught this infection. Now, that is also a little bit unusual because, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19 you know, came to close contact. It's very highly, mm-hmm. this is one of the problems with COVID-19, as we all know, is that the disease, the virus infection itself is not that scary compared mm-hmm. to other viral infections, you know. Every year we have people dying of uh, influenza 
and yes. so does uh, so does COVID nineteen. But the, the key problem here is it spreads much too fast. You know, all mm. of a sudden half of city is sick if we don't take precautions. But anyway, in this case, the five members who were you know taking high dose vitamin C and they still do and didn't catch any of the of, 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 of the viral infection. And uh, so that is the whole story. And and, uh, and, and were they taking yes. five grams a day or two grams a day? Do you have any oh, idea? Oh, 20. 20. And they okay. were 20, 20, 20 grams, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I've always said yeah. that when you have any sign of a, of a cold or flu, to take one gram an hour, uh, and yes, I, ra- I rather I like pure ascorbic acid uh, because... Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I do too. It's, it's exactly what the body uses. And uh, basically what's happening in these uh, respiratory distress situations, you mentioned the oxygenation index. Uh, in effect, yeah. uh, mm. the, what the virus is doing is uh, causing massive inflammation and also some uh, bleeding, coagulation, and really is starving the person of oxygen. And what vitamin C does is it's this massive, powerful uh, antioxidant uh, can actually be recycled, so it works many times over. Um, that's that's what we think is the mechanism for this rapid response. Is that correct? Yes, that's the uh, same understanding as I do yeah. here. You know, as we discussed, uh, 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 there may be a couple of mechanisms involved. Mm. You know, the one you mentioned, I, this is, can we elaborate a little bit? I think this is important. Sure, please. Uh, you know, please. Yes. basically, yeah, actually, you know, going back to the, because you know, this is something that I don't understand. I think, I hope the world would know. I mean, here we're not particularly, uh, I don't know about you, but I guess you are not manufacturing vitamin C. You are, you are doing this not to promote uh, your own vitamin C production because we're not in the vitamin C manufacturing business. No. And I'm a physician. I don't. I don't uh, uh, in the manufacture vitamin C, and uh, like I said, I unfortunately I have never received any you know vitamin C endorsement you know from manufacturer. I'm just kidding, you know. So uh, coming back to this, is that uh, the story that I told you about Wuhan? I put a uh, I made a YouTube video record, put on YouTube within seven days. It attracted three hundred thousand views. Three hundred thousand. That was very much. That was, uh, it's been quite a while now. And the YouTube took it down. Mm-hmm. And when the such story was on Facebook, they also put on as fake information. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, at this time, an Estonia journal, uh, newspaper interviewed me and we talked about something similar. I just, this morning I got an email from her. They put a story on their, uh, on the website within two hours. It attracted 20,000, uh, views, read, reads. And that's, mm-hmm. she said, that's in Estonia. That's, uh, that's a lot of people. But yes. anywhere, two hours, 20,000, that's a lot. But then well, I, again, the journal took it, took it down. I had the same thing. I, now, I put, I put up a post yeah. on Facebook, got almost 60,000 hits, and then it got slapped with a false information sticker. Vitamin, yeah. vitamin C yeah. cannot combat uh, Corona. Uh, or, or COVID-19. And by the way, just before we get into the mechanism, you probably saw yes. last week the uh, study of studies, a meta-analysis of five studies by Professor Harry Hemmler, yes. which showed an, uh, yes. it showed a 25% reduction in the time that people needed to be on a ventilator, tw- a, you know, cutting the time by one quarter in terms of yes, And that was just, in these studies, taking one to six grams of oral vitamin C. It's extraordinary. So we have all all this information. In the UK, we do not know of any hospital um, that is giving any patient intravenous vitamin C. And we have, uh, you know, a reasonably high death rate of people who are ending up on ventilators. I mean, it's about 50-50, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I when I read your list of the questions in advance, but I was, you know, I'm a little bit swamped. I sort of, you know, I didn't have a chance to write down. But actually, I want to add, you know, uh, in addition to Dr. Professor Hemley's uh, uh, paper, there are two, you know, recently there's another study coming out because I'm talking about oral vitamin C in prevention and treatment. Mm-hmm. You may know there's a, there's a study publishing BMG recently. Last, uh, last in uh, two weeks or so, uh, recently, BA, BMJ military medicine. Mm-hmm. The study came out of a uh, South Korean military training camp. 
And this is a 30-day military training. And all, of course, all healthy young military recruits. So there's a total of 1,444 enrolled group. I mean, they were divided briefly into two groups, vitamin C group and the other not. So the vitamin C group of uh, trainees received 6,000 milligram vitamin C every day. Now, that's impressive. That's good. And that, that's a dosage I usually recommend. I recommend 5 to 10 grams a day. So these trainees received 6 grams of vitamin C daily. And at the end of the 30-day training, and the study concluded that uh, there's a significant, statistically significant reduction in, uh, in the catching of uh, common code. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this paper again, now this is not first time as you and I are aware, aware of, is that this study again proves in a controlled trial manner, not anecdotal. Those who are, who are, you know, uh, YouTube or Facebook should listen on this is that, is that vitamin C orally in the dosage of 6,000 grams can prevent people from catching code, or at least can reduce the chances of catching code. Now, that's an interesting study. We should quote. There's another study, actually, uh, again, corroborating not the ICU scenario, but for the ordinary people, and uh, your listeners should listen to this, is that 20 years ago, in 1999, there's a Swiss, a Swiss study of a college population. Uh, the enrollees, there were 460-some people enrolled, aged between 18 and 32. Again, these were, uh, you know, briefly divided into two groups. The group, one group received IV, I mean, the oral, again, oral vitamin C, the other received uh, pain relievers and they nasal decongestants when they develop uh, code symptoms. Now, this study was to see if vitamin C can reduce, I mean, has any impact on the vitamin C, I mean, on common code uh, symptoms. So the study was that whenever a student developed common code symptoms, they would receive 1,000 milligram vitamin C per hour for the first six hours. So again, they would receive 6,000 milligram vitamin C in the first six hours then followed by 1,000 milligram vitamin C every, uh, three times a day. That's the design. And the other group, the, the non-vitamin C, as I told, as I said, they nasal decongestant pain relievers. So then the study also concluded there was a 85% reduction in code symptoms in the vitamin C group, and that that is statistically significant. So I mean, these two studies, yes. Yeah, I mean, you're just making it very clear that the evidence is there. More trials are yes. going on um, on the ground yeah. in China in critical situations. Uh, the vitamin C treatment is really working. My big worry is here we have um, relatives of people who may be listening to this podcast being admitted into hospital in a serious situation. Uh, unfortunately, we don't seem to be able to ask for and get intravenous vitamin C on an oral basis. Um, as a doctor, if you were, if your, you know, relative was going into hospital and they couldn't have intravenous vitamin C, what would you be wanting them to do? You know, go in with some vitamin C, yeah. take it every hour or Actually, even, yeah. Yeah. That's the recommendation. I think we're in the same boat. And so joy. Joy, you know, we're not going to detail the research. You know, there's abundant evidence in the literature. And I always point out, if you search PubMed, the world's largest medical library hosted in the National Library of Medicine in the United States, there are over 65,000 peer-reviewed journal articles on vitamin C. And I'm not aware of, I mean, if vitamin C is not the most studied at least it is one of the most studied molecules in our body. Okay, so there's tons of research. Anybody who says there's not enough research, they just haven't read enough. Okay, so let's draw from those two conclusions. You know, the Dr. Hamela's paper, and along with other papers, uh, showing that uh, a high-dose IVC can shorten the ICU stay 
and uh, uh, that's significant. But also for for ordinary people like you, you and me, I would recommend five to ten grams of vitamin C daily in divided doses. You know, at least two times a day in the morning and night. That's convenient. If you can spread into three or four times, that's even probably better. But if you have a first sign of an infection, mm-hmm. common cold or whatever, COVID-19 or not, take a lot of vitamin C. This is how I advise. You know, everybody, it, we are all very similar. You know, basically our recommendations are very similar. But I, I would usually like to recommend, first of all, load up yourself with five or 10 grams. Mm-hmm. Just at one time, you know, load. Yep. Uh, and then every hour you will take 10, I mean, 1000 milligram, uh, in the waking hours, if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, so, uh, one, I mean, 1000 milligram every hour to the degree of power intolerance. You know, one of the inconvenient side effects uh, is the watery diarrhea, which is not bad. Usually no crampy. I mean, definitely not very painful. And uh, so it's controllable. You can reduce the vitamin C. So basically, drink, take enough vitamin C to your bowel tolerance. So, you know, just when you reach bowel tolerance, just reduce the dosage a little bit uh, so that you don't have that uh, frequent, uh, you know, watery diarrhea. And when you're awake, try to take it. And, you know, take it as long as uh, you need until you recover from this. And after you recover, you still want to take it. You can reduce the the, uh, back down to like 5, 10, uh, 15 grams a day. And, uh, that is the, what I recommended. And over the past couple of years, when I apply this approach to all my patients, children to seniors, you, for, for, you know, of course, where you had only common code usually, usually when you do this, you know, even when they have fever, the fever will be gone by the night and uh, the cold symptoms usually recover in two, three days. Mm-hmm. Now, it, 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 what's in, we have this tremendous resistance in the UK. There is this sort of mindset that vitamin C really does nothing. The truth is all products have sold out. The sales are at least five times higher. So yeah. enough members of the public who know this, but if you ask any medical, yeah. they say, oh, it's all disproven, et cetera. What is it, do you think, that's, um, that's allowed things to move forward in China? How have you... Have you just not had this resistance in the past? What is it that has allowed this, uh, I could even say, revolution in uh, bringing vitamin C into medical treatment of, of flu? What's allowed that to happen? What yeah. can we learn uh, That's, to the same thing happen in the UK? Yeah. Those are very important questions. Actually, I want everybody, you know, listeners, and hopefully, well, now hopefully we can get some politicians uh, medical leaders, industrial leaders to think about this is that, uh, when we are combating this, uh, con- I mean, uh, COVID-19, the worldwide pandemic, which I have never experienced myself. I suppose none of us alive, m- very few of us alive today experienced anything like this before, except the World War II probably is that we are facing this huge pandemic resulting in Panic, I mean, city lock, citywide, nationwide, and now worldwide lockdowns, and causing a major, wreaking a major ha- uh, havoc worldwide. Why are we so worried about this inexpensive, safe vitamin C? Why are they so busy taking down these, uh, you know, reports or videos on something that is so benign and so inexpensive? I don't get it. I don't understand why we should, my opinion, I think when we are facing such a tragedy without apparent effective treatments, shouldn't we all work hard, think hard, look for anything that may be of help to treat this disease? Or we should embrace anything. It's not like that you have 10 effective magic treatments out there and then we're trying to show something else and they say, no, it doesn't work. You don't have anything better. When you don't have anything better, shouldn't we try everything? Chinese medicine or any other medicine, right? So, so well, that's I, something very disturbing. Of course, I agree with you. And I've been in this field for over 40 years. And uh, I have to say, I reached the conclusion that it's basically about money. 
you cannot patent, yeah. <laughs> you cannot patent vitamin C. You know, the first person I, I work in the field of Alzheimer's, where we already know that high dose vitamin B12 with sufficient omega 3 can have an extraordinary effect. It's cheap, it's proven, uh, it's a very serious condition. People are dying, uh, you know, all over the place from dementia who don't need to. And yes, but it's not patentable. So there's this mad scramble right now to find a drug. Uh, you know, and of course, in due course of vaccine, I'm not against vaccines. If there's an effective vaccine, that's very good. Uh, but like you say, uh, vitamin C is so cheap. Interestingly, you may know uh, some opinion on this because we all see things on the internet. We don't know what's true. I saw an image of a truck uh, leaving from DSM. DSM is the uh, is the laboratory, the company that makes uh, uh vitamin C in China, and they also have a factory making it in Scotland. Uh, so I saw uh, a picture of this truck apparently delivering uh, vitamin C up to Hubei province, Wuhan. Yes. And I yeah. was told it was five tons. I worked out that would treat 100,000 people. It's so dirt cheap. We have a factory here in Scotland. I mean, if you do the maths of this, uh, what it's going... I mean, here the, the big message is protect the National Health Service by not getting infected because the National Health Service can't cope. But of course, uh, the best way to protect the National Health Service is to have less people needing to go into hospital. And uh, the cost of vitamin C is so ridiculously cheap compared to the cost of, uh, of this disruption. Yeah. Yes, Patrick, I absolutely was, uh, agree with you, and I'm glad you spelled it out. So actually, here is the scenario. Situation is that uh, on the on the on vaccine and and uh, the specific drugs. I have a few comments here. Yes, our goal is to protect people from getting sick. Now facing this COVID nineteen, I hope we can put the money aside and try to save the world first, right? And that's that should be our priority. Now, uh, I want to go a little bit further. Think about this: is that I, again, like you, I'm not against vaccine. And I hope we have a vaccine today. We can vaccinate, you know, the worldwide people, at least uh, maybe more than half of it to that, to stop this uh, pandemic. But unfortunately, we don't have it here. Now, see, you know, I'm not a vaccine guy. I'm not a epidemiology, public health. Uh, you know, I never really thought about these things before. But now this time comes around because it affects everybody one way or another, whether it's COVID-19 or, or, or economy. So think about it. Vaccine only happens after an outbreak happens like this. Now, I'd like to give you some numbers. I, uh, if you look on the website, on the Wikipedia, I counted uh, 70, around 70 epidemics in the first, uh, I mean, the 200 years spanning from 19th to 20th century. Out of those 60, 70 uh, epidemics, there were 14 of them caused more than 1,000 fatalities. Okay. Now, going to 21st century, we are barely into the 20, I mean, 2020. So we, what, we got only 19 years or 20 years in the 21st century. I already counted 40 some epidemics with 11 of them causing more than a thousand fatalities. So think about this. Epidemic or pandemic causing 1,000 deaths each. They were 14 in the 200 years before, and now there are 11 such epidemics this century. So this is not too scientific, but it's pretty straightforward to me. It's an increasing trend, okay? So the fact that appears to be that there will be more and more epidemic right now. Okay. Now, the reason for that, we don't know, and uh, I don't venture to guess. The question is, how are we going to deal with this? You know, we don't, we don't have to think very far. Have we ever got a vaccine in the middle or at the beginning uh, uh, of an outbreak like this? The vaccine was available to stop an ongoing epidemic? No, never. Not to my knowledge. You know, this century, the SARS in the 2003 and the MERS uh, was at 2012, 2013, Ebola, 
and uh, uh, other, you know, these epidemics. We never had a vaccine in advance or in, in the middle of an outbreak to stop it. Will we ever be able to produce a vaccine in the future as soon as the, uh, the uh, epidemic started? I doubt it. Because we all know vaccine development is reactionary to an outbreak. And as we all know this time, that when the COVID-19 broke out, the Chinese government didn't recognize it early on. There was a few weeks, uh, a few weeks delays. By the time we reacted, it already spread uh, definitely in Wuhan city and uh, into other cities in the world. And the, you know, now you see it is that the worldwide leaders didn't take it quite as seriously, like the debates right now going on in the United States. People blame Donald Trump for a little bit delayed. Well, because again, people don't really think that's going to be as serious. But by the time you recognize it, it's too late. It, it is so fast. So only when people recognize the importance, then you start doing research facts. I mean, sequencing, uh, vaccine R&D. Well, we all know vaccine R&D takes time. I don't know, average that people say two, three years, but right now it's, uh, it looks like we are not going to have a vaccine of uh, wide scale. Think about it. To immunize, to stop this thing, you have to immunize a lot of people. We have seven billion people worldwide. And, uh, you know, from the UK's early on, the, man, uh, the mantra, you probably need to vaccinate, you know, more than half of the people to stop this thing from going. That we're talking about four billion doses at least. So, so what I'm saying is that I do not see vaccine to be there anytime soon to help us to fight the COVID-19. And this time is like this. The vaccine has never stopped an ongoing pandemic in the past. And I don't see in the foreseeable future that vaccine will be able to be rapidly researched and developed and manufactured for us to stop an ongoing a pandemic. Now, this is very important. I want people to understand, you know, do their own homework. Well, I think the vaccine strategy is good, but it, we should be doing that, see how we can speed up. But the process of clinical trial, all these things, you cannot avoid this. So it is do, it is going to be slow. We need to think differently. We need to find other ways. Okay. Now, when SARS broke out, we didn't have a vaccine. When MERS broke out, we didn't have a vaccine. When COVID-19 broke out, we still didn't have a vaccine. We don't have a vaccine. Let me ask everybody, the listener, do, do you think we will have a vaccine next time when COVID-30 or whatever broke out? Will we have a vaccine? No. If we do not change ourselves, if we do not change the way we think, we, you know, allocate our effort, efforts and money, resources, we will be the same like today. We will be still scrambling, panicky, uh, you know. So we need to research other non-virus specific approach. The vaccine is good, again, but it is a virus specific. That's a problem. Yeah, you know, you have to develop a unique drug. However, uh, we shouldn't, that, that apparently is not going to work very much. And as, as I said, now we need other methods and vitamin C is one such method. We've got plenty of scientific evidence in the literature, in the clinical medicine, in, in a clinical study setting and a, you know, case, uh, treatment setting. That's good enough. I think we should really pay more attention to vitamin C and other nutrients, the, the, you know, also molecular concept or, or anti-aging functional medicine approach to develop a unique, I mean, a universal non-virus specific approach. One that Another, I tell you, sooner or later, another epidemic or pandemic will happen. When that happens, we can, we'll have it ready. So hopefully we will not have to debate on this again. So you'll put your bet on boosting our immune system with vitamin C, but also others like vitamin D is terribly important too. Now, I'm, yes. a, I'm aware it's coming to eight in the morning and I know you have to go to work. Have you taken your vitamin C yet? How much are you going to take this morning? Yes, actually, I have my, uh, uh, you know, I have, let me show you my. Yeah. 
Now, for those who are is my, listening, uh, you won't yeah, see it, but see I, it? I'm seeing the vitamin C. Yes, you've got a drink. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my bottle right here. Okay, and, very good. Uh, yeah. And how much and, you, uh, how much uh, vitamin C have you got in your bottle? Actually, I usually put in uh, one. We have a five milligram scoop. Yeah. Usually, I put in like one one and a half, so maybe seven eight grams. I do it twice a day. Okay. And uh, I I take some other you know nutri nu nutritional supplements that yeah. also has some vitamin C in it, and. Uh, uh, you know, that, that's how I, I, I deal with it. So you're drip feeding it through the day by putting the powder in the water. Um, a teaspoon is about five grams. It's about five yeah. grams of vitamin C. So you've got about, yeah. you know, yeah. a good 10 grams there dripping in over several hours. Yeah, that's right. And also two days ago, me and my parents, uh, we, we, uh, and my sister here too. We're all in our parents' house, yeah. and we all got a twenty gram IV. Ah, <laughs> twenty gram. Yes. And I use it for anti aging. Now again, none of us are sick. Okay, yeah. we're all pretty healthy. <clears throat> yeah. No, and uh, <clears throat> so I, I did that. You know, we do it regularly, and uh, I want to show people: do not afraid. Think about it, twenty grams. They are that's the dose they give those uh, uh, patients in the hospital. Yes. I'm doing this to average people. You know, vitamin C, there's no need to be afraid of. It's very safe and it's, uh, there's a very few side effects. Mm. Even when it happens, it's very transient, very mild, not big deal. And uh, we do it every day and, uh, you know, so, so, uh, it's very, very nice. So Dr. Cheng, I know we have to wrap up. You've got tons to do in helping to save the lives of people, uh, in China, in Shanghai. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your invaluable time, your expertise, and uh, everything that you're doing, not only in China, because to be honest, uh, this is starting to wake people up over the world. Uh, we know that there's a study going on in Italy. There's a few hospitals now in America who are starting to use this uh, high-dose vitamin C approach. And uh, we yeah. in the UK hope uh, that our medics uh, will wake up and look at the evidence and do this incredibly safe, uh, inexpensive, highly effective, already uh, uh, scientifically supported approach. Uh, so your message is not just helping people in China, it's helping people all over the world. Thank you so much for giving your time for this interview. Yeah, thank you very much, Patrick, for having me. This podcast series is supported by my new book, Flu Fighters, how to Win the Cold War by Boosting Your Natural Immunity with Non-Toxic Nutrients. It's published on April the 30th and available to pre-order right now at www.flufighters.net. You'll also find resources here to support these podcasts, as well as details on any relevant articles, webinars and seminars and media broadcasts to help you learn how to take charge of your own immunity and stay healthy.